Welcome to Final Girl Friday. My name is Molly, and I like scary movies. If you joined me last week, you might remember that at the start of the show, I mentioned the trailer for a new feature-length Texas Chainsaw fan film called The Sawyer Massacre. Come on, Jimmy, it'll be fun. You guys want to come? Earlier this week, I had the immense pleasure of sitting down and talking with the writer and director of that film, Steve Merlo. So I want to share some of that conversation with you guys. I'll follow that up with a brief history of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I realized I haven't really talked about much on the podcast. Um, so that that needs to change. And I'll be wrapping up with a super special edition of Worst Case Scenario. I enlisted the help of a couple of very creative friends, and I'm just I've, I've never been so excited about a Worst Case Scenario. <laughs> Before we can dive into it, though, I do have a couple of quick points of interest. Firstly, I just watched the trailer for The Unholy, and oh my word, my fellow Exorcist fans need to check this out right now. It looks like it might be amazing. And why do you think Mary chose you? I opened myself up and welcomed her in. Directed by Evan Speliotopoulos. Yep. Produced by Sam Raimi and based on the 1983 novel Shrine by James Herbert, The Unholy tells the story of Alice, a young girl mysteriously cured of her hearing impairment and imbued with supernatural gifts from what she believes to be the Virgin Mary. A down-on-his-luck journalist, played by the ever-increasingly attractive Jeffrey Dean Morgan, seriously, dude, how are you even humanly possible? You defy all laws of science. He goes to investigate the claim and discovers that something much more sinister may lie at the heart of Alice's miracles. The film is getting a limited theatrical release on Good Friday, which is just fun. And apart from one slightly underwhelming scare at the end of the trailer, I am very impressed and intrigued. For a little recommended reading, over at Screen Rant, Nathan Sharp brings us five horror movies from the 70s that are still terrifying and five that have aged badly. And of course, Texas Chainsaw made the list of those that will still scar you for life. Thanks to my guest tonight, I have discovered a new Paranormal Encounter podcast. It's called The Scare Me Podcast, hosted by Texas voice actor Albie Robles. I woke up well past the middle of the night to see a man standing over my bed. Robles begins each episode with a scary story, then talks with a variety of guests about things that give them the creeps, among other things. I think my favorite episode thus far is the one with Brandon Crane, who played Ben Hanscom in the It miniseries, which was one of the very first things I ever talked about here on my podcast, actually. It was a lot of fun to get to hear him talk about what the horror genre means to him, as well as what it was like to work with Tim Curry as Pennywise at such a young age. Scare Me is available on pretty much every platform ever, and you can learn more about it by visiting its website at scareme.albierobelsvoice.com. The second podcast I've discovered recently is called Into the Darkness, hosted by Slasher's own Monster Man 60, who showcases predominantly lesser song horror titles such as Cleaver, Rise of the Killer Clown, and Vampire Virus. This is a great listen if you're winding down at the end of the day and just want to kick back and relax. Joe has a very low-key energy, unlike some of us, <clears throat> and often takes long looks at movies that I've never heard of. I always walk away from his episodes feeling like I've learned something. Cleaning up the mess is only 
the beginning. Their nightmare has just begun. You can find Into the Darkness by going to anchor.fm. I've linked both it and Scare Me in this episode's description. Yeah, I think that's all I've really got for this week. There were a couple of uh, upcoming film announcements that did not make me happy, and I will not dignify them with any kind of coverage. Um... So it's time to dive into the interview. One thing to bear in mind moving forward is that I did cut a significant portion of our conversation, predominantly for time. So there are several topics we touched down on that won't be included here, such as the political climate in America in the mid-70s, Merlot's previous work as a composer, and just our personal philosophies as horror fans. So I'll be posting a transcript of that full conversation at my website, finalgirlfriday.net. It also feels weird leading into my main topic, without a spoiler warning. So I guess I'll just say, if you haven't seen The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, or if you aren't a part of the cast or crew of The Sawyer Massacre, do not proceed with caution, because I won't be spoiling either of these films for you. Steve, thanks for hanging out with me tonight. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I've been dying to geek out with you about this project since I saw the teaser. So. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, so obviously I want to talk to you about The Sawyer Massacre, which is your film, which is in the works, and it's, it's why we're here. But first, I wanted to ask you, what is your relationship with The Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Ooh, that goes back a ways. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was a, I was a little kid when I first heard about it, and I obviously was too young to probably go see it. But uh, I think it was a cousin of mine or something would would tell me about it, and they mentioned that uh, oh, this film has a guy with a chainsaw who cuts off people's faces and wears them as masks, and I just thought that was absolutely terrifying <laughs> hearing about that. But it but intrigued at the same time. Mm. So I think I finally got to see it when I was about maybe twelve or thirteen. I don't, I'm not even sure if I saw the whole thing, mind you, but to, you know, enough to, I, I saw enough to, uh, to know that I thought it was a pretty frightening film. As I grew up, I, I watched other horror films. I, I was kind of getting more into the Halloween franchise when I was younger, when I was in my teens. Uh, but I always thought the idea of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was quite terrifying. And I really grew to appreciate it more uh, you know, once I hit my late teens and early 20s, when I kind of got some of the subtle things in the film, um, such as, you know, like the social climate of that time period, and all that kind of all the all the ver all the subtleties of the, like the cannibalism. I don't think I quite got all the cannibalism references when I had first seen it either. Um, that kind of I've started to get that after a while. Um, so I had a much bigger appreciation for it. But the sequels, no, I never never had a thing for the sequels, though. <laughs> no, you mean you're not wild about Texas Chainsaw, the next generation? <laughs> I mean, uh, Matthew McConaughey was great in it. He was, it he, it's was. entertaining to watch just for him, but as a film, yeah, I can't yeah. say I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely understand what you mean. I, um, I've seen, you know, Texas Chainsaw 2, I think, probably three or four times. I I. There are things I really yep. like about it, but I've never been crazy about it, you know, like I have been the first one. So I get that. That makes sense. I'm kind of the same. I've probably even seen that one less. I think I've only seen it twice. It just doesn't really do much for me, but it has a, a pretty big fan base, though. I'm, you know, a lot of people love the Chop Top character. I, I didn't really like the Chop Top character. I found him kind of annoying and a little bit cartoony and... 
I know people think that he's like the new, he was the new version of the hitchhiker at that time. That's what he was sort of compared to, but yeah. the hitchhiker was very, very realistic. I've like, I've known people like the hitchhiker right. uh, from the original. Um, I've never met, I've never met somebody like Chop Top. <laughs> yeah. He was a little over the top. A little bit. I, I want to I wanna buy some uh, radio ad time. <laughs> are you fucking crazy? We are closed. I do agree with you. There's something much more grounded about all of the characters yeah. in Texas Chainsaw, you know. And yeah, the hitchhiker as well. I grew up with kids like him. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. I, there was one kid I went to school with that was exactly, and he had like some, some sort of uh, mental illness of some kind, some sort of schizophrenic, uh, I, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was something like that. He was just very off the wall, and it just reminded me of him. Yeah. So what you're doing is not a sequel. Uh, it's, in fact, Correct. acting as a, a non-canonical prequel. I guess you could say that, yeah. Now, I, I hate to use the word prequel, though, just because when people think prequel, they think of an origin story, and that's really not where we're going with this. Uh, I, I feel like that's been done anyways. You know, the, la yeah. the last film that came out was a, pre was a prequel origin story, and look how that turned out. So right. I didn't want to do anything quite like that. Instead, I wanted to have a film that uh, explored some new layers, but didn't feel like an origin story. It's pretty exciting because we've had like how many of those have we had now? I I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of films in the series too, right? I mean, as far as the family in the in the film goes, all the all the family members that appear in the original are in it, but they might not be exactly like you would think because it does take place a number of years before, um, and they haven't quite gotten to the characters that they were in the original. Uh, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's more it's more done subtly though, because I, again, I, I want to uh, I want to show some different layers rather than actually explore their background and all that kind of stuff. I want to just give you something different that wasn't shown within the family. So not necessarily trying to justify them, but just showing them showing them from different angles. Yeah, a different perspective, and and the one, the one big one being that uh, Grandpa still has the ability to speak in our film, and actually has quite a big uh, role when it comes to that in our film as well. So um, you never got to hear from from Grandpa in the original. You'll get to hear from Grandpa in this one. That's so exciting! And you, uh, if I could talk about the trailer for a second, sure. Um, John Dugan actually does the voice of grandpa in the trailer right that is correct he did voice. he actually provided the voice of grandpa in the trailer unofficially i would say he voiced grandpa we've got him listed and this was on the on the uh on the uh, the contract i guess we had him sign is that he was uh voicing the old man so i guess for you know to make sure it's non-canon we have to call him the old man but <laughs> You know, for people who love fan films, just so you know, that's it's grandpa, really. It, it, <laughs> it, <laughs> so that would be, even though it's not in canon, it's kind of like the first time grandpa has ever spoken. The first time John Dugan's ever spoken as grandpa. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think if grandpa ever spoke in any, uh, any of the other films, but not by John Dugan, he didn't. Uh, yeah. So that's one cool first that we have. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. We're all crazy. So far, I, I was looking at the cast list, and uh, 
the role for the old man has not been cast yet? Or has not no, been? not officially cast. Uh, I mean, I'm still trying to keep that open for John Dugan because I would love for him to take it. Um, but he, he does have some reasons why he would prefer, why he says he doesn't really want to take it. And, you know, I can respect those, uh, those reasons. And it has nothing to do with money because, you know, um, just, you know, to list somebody on the cast doesn't mean that, you know, we, we can pay them at that point either. So, I mean, it's not a money thing. It's, it's a relationship thing. It's kind of a personal thing. So I'd rather, I'd rather, um, no, not destroy a relationship over a film. So, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but if somehow we you know we got uh, the right pieces together, um, oh man, I would love to have John Dugan play Grandpa in our film. Oh yeah, that'd be that would be a, a massively big deal. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm really impressed with the guy that you've cast as Leatherface uh, thus far. Just what little bit we've seen of him. Well, that's good. I ha- had an eye for it. Uh, that's for sure. I knew we need we needed somebody somebody big, um, and uh, Scotty was that. Uh, Scotty's uh, another Canadian just like me. He just lives one town over, and when I was casting the role, and he he was interested, I said, "Okay, have you done anything like this before?" He's like, "No, no, I do mostly musical theater." So <laughs> at the time, I thought. Great At the time, I thought he might not be right, but then he, you know, he showed a lot of dedication. He, uh, he, he said he was so into playing this role, and you know, I gave him a shot when we filmed the uh, the first cut of our teaser, um, the first trailer that we shot, um, and he did very, very well. So uh, uh, we've we've kept him. We've decided where he he, he can come to Texas with us. <laughs> he can stay. And that's where you're hoping to shoot the film is in Texas, correct? Yes, we have a great production team down in Austin, Texas. Uh, I'm working with uh, Josh Skernick Productions down there. He does mo- his production company does a lot of documentary stuff. Um, but he was really, really into uh, our script. And I even said to him, you know, we almost want to capture a bit of a documentary kind of feel right. since we're kind of going for that original feel. And he was just really down. And he, after he read the script, he said, you know, our, everything I have at my production company is at your disposal. He made a big list of all the gear he has. And, you know, that's one thing that'll save us a lot of money is that we actually have free gear to use when we're down there. So pretty <laughs> off. It's pretty, he's a, he's a great guy. He was in the teaser as well. We gave him a role in the film. What role did he play in the teaser? He played the character of Bob. So you see him turn on the light and then you see his reaction afterwards. Okay. And I assume that that's predominantly what you're hoping the Indiegogo campaign will accomplish is getting you guys down to Texas, right? Yes, because we actually did raise enough funds in our first Indiegogo to film it in Canada. My expenses in Canada are actually quite cheap because um, I've got all the necessary cast and crew. Uh, and I have, I have a ton of resources here. I, have a, I work with a lot of people that uh, do uh, uh, props. So I pretty much have any free pop props at my disposal and free vehicles and all that kind of stuff here. Whereas I don't have that in Texas. So uh, that's the one disadvantage I have is, is trying to make those same connections down there that will save me the money I need to save. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I'm slowly making them actually. I've, I've met a few new people down there that are like, I think I can get you this and I think I can get you this. So it, it's, it's been helpful. Again, it's just, I've, I've been doing a ton of networking 
I network, okay. network like crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love to see you guys get to go down there and shoot in Texas. I mean, I, I can imagine that there would be just the tiniest bit of disappointment at having to shoot a Texas Chainsaw film up there. Although, of course, phenomenal films have been shot in Canada. Some of my favorite horror films were shot in Canada. But I can understand the importance of shooting this film specifically in Texas. Definitely. And... uh I think we need a film, we need a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film shot in Texas. I mean, it, it still baffles me why the studios want to go to Bulgaria to film these movies. <laughs> uh, I know they can save money, but I don't know who you're trying to fool here. It's just, uh, it's just, it would be the same if I tried, if I tried to film this in Canada, people are going to know that it's not Texas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what would you say on the road to getting this thing made is the thing that you're most proud of that i'm most proud of yeah um this recent teaser i'm, I'm quite quite proud of because you know um everybody involved in this film worked really hard to make sure that that teaser got made in the worst possible circumstances you know during during covid um when there's, you know, it's not cheap to, to film stuff in Texas, everybody pulled their weight to make sure that, that uh, we could save as much money as possible to shoot in Texas. And uh, everybody worked for, everybody did their, their stuff for free down there, cast and crew. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of the cast made their own costumes, which unfortunately due to the, the way we made it, you can't even tell how 60s some of those costumes actually were. Um, because we were shooting so many uh, close-up sh shots, and we actually had to change the the shooting script because uh, it snowed that day in Texas, so we had to film everything inside rather than do a lot of uh, exterior stuff, which we had originally planned. So, unfortunately, a lot of those costumes you can't even tell how how good they were, <laughs> but uh, they all did a really great job. Some of them, one of the actresses actually drove all the way from Louisiana to Austin just to just to be be in our teaser i think that's pretty pretty dedicated stuff you know and didn't uh, didn't want any compensation they just wanted to make this this trailer happen and uh and i think we pulled it off i think we pulled off a really 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 good teaser uh our dop even um did some extra shots after the fact after the snow was gone there for a while just so we had some exterior texas shots and uh i think it looks great i'm i'm really proud of the way the teaser looks, um, I, th I think it's. I think we accomplished something pretty cool with that teaser, and uh, it's it's gotten quite a lot of good comments. It got a lot of good feedback. Uh, pretty yeah, pretty supportive of that teaser. So yeah, that's really great. I'm I'm so glad that it came together. And and yeah, I I do think that it is a it is a, a teaser trailer. That, you know, you should be proud of it because. I've seen a lot of fan film trailers and, and I don't mean to say that to set fan films apart from other types of films, but I've seen a lot. And this is one of the most exciting that I've seen in a very long time. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're excited for it. I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a few Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan films and uh, I'm, I've, I've yet, I hope that, I hope ours is going to be better. That's all I can say. <laughs> I'm a fan of the, the the medium you know uh, because i'm a big fan of fan fiction and that's all that fan films are is just it's visual fan fiction mm -hmm. i've sat through some questionable fan films uh, just because i i really enjoy that but i it's always a treat when you don't just get to see a fan film and and to see new stories being told in this universe that you love but 
that it's done with love and craft. Yeah, I totally agree with that for sure. For sure. You actually touched down on uh, one of the other questions I had, which was um, I wondered how much of, of the trailer was shot during the pandemic and, and, um, and if that was especially challenging, I imagine it must have been. And I was really just kind of curious as to on the flip side of what you're most proud of, like what was the biggest challenge in getting this, this trailer made? Uh, yeah, it's a, about 50% of it was shot during the pandemic and maybe even a little bit more than, than that, uh, as far as our new one goes, because the first trailer we shot, uh, that wasn't shot during the pandemic. It was shot in, in uh, September of 2019, but some of those shots were in that, in our new teaser as well, as well as some really old shots I took from like when I was first getting into filmmaking and I, and I did a really bad <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan film but I still had some of those shots. So I reused those. Um, but I think, I think probably yeah, at least 50% of what you see in that, uh, in that teaser was shot during the, the pandemic, maybe even a little bit more. Um, some of it, a good portion of it in Texas. And we did get some extra shots here in Canada um, just with our Leatherface actor doing some, some, uh, pretty interesting stuff <laughs> with yeah. some of the interesting props that I was able to get for, for free. Uh, you know, we had some, I was able to get some limbs and uh, some skeleton bones and stuff like that that yeah, are in the great. film industry around here. So yeah, I, I know people here. I, you know, it helps <laughs> to know people like, Hey, you got any, uh, you know, <laughs> you got yeah. any of this? I could use some of this for my, for my shoot. No problem. You know? So yeah, I think it's definitely nice to know people that have bones lying around. Yeah. They're not real bones, but they, they're, they're, they're fake bones that are used in film all the time. They're used in a lot of local indie productions quite often. So, um, Yeah. They look real. <laughs> and now the the leather face mask that we get a very brief glimpse of in the trailer. I know I know you talked about this on the live stream last week. Um, that was made for what, like twenty bucks? Yeah, that was a cheap one. <laughs> it looked really good. <laughs> it, it's it's we're we hope, hoping we can make something better, but it, it should give you a little taste. Most people can't don't even won't even really notice that the that it's that it's there unless they can you know slow it down frame by frame sort of thing which you can't really do watching from YouTube. You'd have to download it and put it into an editing software to see it like that. But uh, I was comfortable with having it, even for that glimpse, just that short glimpse, um, just because I felt like it still kind of captured the tone of the leather face masks that I want to put in, in the film. So mm -hmm. I felt okay doing that, um, even though I knew that, that well, that was not going to be a mask that we're going to use. We're still going to be making all kinds of newer, better masks. And <laughs> that mask is toast now. That the one, that was shot in 2014. The, I think I found the remains of that mask somewhere, but it's, all, it's all gone. Well, so that not so great TCM fan film that you were talking about, was that called First Annual Barbecue? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, you were you able to find it on YouTube? <laughs> uh, no, I, I was not actually, although not for lack of trying. I was uh, I was curious about that. Uh, and then not to deviate too far from the Sawyer Massacre, uh, I was also curious about a film called Without Mime or Reason. <laughs> oh, you saw that, eh? Uh, I wasn't really that heavily involved without Mime or Reason. I, I just did the music on that and I had a a little cameo at the beginning, but, and I think I may have done, I, I did ADR or something like that. Is that where you kind of got started uh, in the film industry as, as a composer? No, just uh, actually as a, as a write, I just 
you know, I had my first Texas Chainsaw Massacre script and I was trying to, to find people in my local area that would want to make it. And enough of the local film filmmakers, the indie filmmakers around here said, why don't you just try doing it yourself? And, and uh, so I did. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, I guess. You know, I made a lot of mistakes early on. Uh, like I said, my first one was not good, you know. Uh, I'd still like to look at that again someday and see if I can. I don't think it's online anywhere now, but uh, maybe I could find a copy of it. And I, w- I wouldn't mind doing like a, a watch over of it on my on my YouTube channel sometime. But but I mean, I can look at it and say, geez, what a mess that was. And and look at, and how much I really have learned from from that whole experience and the experiences to follow um, because there was quite a few. But it's also the, you know, when I did that, I learned how to actually be a composer to, uh, to film, uh, even though, you know, the music wasn't great in that, in that movie either, but it helped me uh, develop the right ear for, uh, for music compositions in film. And I uh, definitely have progressed from there quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I was really, I was really impressed with the music in the trailer as well. Um, one of my favorite things about the original Texas Chainsaw, personally, is the score and um, their decision to not really use instruments. <laughs> I hear you. It was a huge, a huge inspiration when I did that that last teaser. I, I think the the trailer I did before, I liked what I did, but it, I it, it felt a little bit too removed from the uh, original for me. There was still a lot of uh, you know just a lot of percussive stuff going on but it still was it wasn't quite where it needed to be whereas our our new teaser um i felt like i had the right balance you know i had my own my own uh sense to it but at the same time it's it was paying good respect to that original score i was proud of the score actually <laughs> you know? so jumping back to the sawyer massacre so the indiegogo campaign there uh something like 53 days left I think so. About there, fifty. Yeah, I think because we're a weekend and it's a sixty-day campaign. So yeah, about fifty-three days left now. Okay. Can you tell me uh, a little bit about some of the rewards that you're offering? For sure, uh, we have quite a bit actually. Uh, the most popular is probably the Blu-ray. Uh, people love Blu-rays, I guess. So uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can get a Blu-ray for uh, thirty dollars Canadian. I'm not sure what that comes down to in, in American dollars. Maybe you can tell me because. <laughs> I don't, uh, I'm not less, too sure of the conversions. It would be less. <laughs> and we've got perks all the way as low as $2 Canadian. We got perks all the way up to our expensive perks of, of like the executive producer package um, and associate producer package and being an extra in the film. Had a few inquiries about the being an extra in the film because you actually have the opportunity to be killed by Leatherface. So that would be pretty awesome for any fans. I would love to get killed by Leatherface in your movie. You wouldn't. (laughs) I would love to be killed, but you know. Uh, But yeah, so that's just some of them. So you can be in the film. Uh, And if you wanted to be an uh, executive producer or an associate producer without all the extra stuff, you can get get those for a much cheaper, much, much cheaper price. I think it's $1,000 for the executive producer and $400 for the associate producer the uh, screen used leather face masks as well in the, the film yeah. lift. <laughs> yeah the face the freaky face lift so <laughs> we were doing both the screen used and the replicas because uh, our our makeup artist says she can do all kinds of replicas for that so so i put replicas on there as well so 
you can get either or for a premium price. You can get the screen used leather face mask or the replica leather face mask. And, and they would they would be signed by uh, by our leather face himself, Scotty Parkin. Seems like you guys are having a lot of fun with your backer rewards. Uh, there's just there's a lot there. And I also like that you have perks that go all the way down to two dollars. I think it's something like with a film. It's rare to see that where you're offering people a chance to be a part of it even if they don't, you know, have a lot of money. Well, thanks. Well, you know, I appreciate that during this whole uh, pandemic that we're in right now, that times are tough. So, um, right. but I know, I, but, you know, I feel if people want to be a part of this film, there's a, there's something that they can afford at least. So all I can really say about the film is uh, I think we've took, taken a different approach that feels right. Um, it's not going to be your same typical Texas Chainsaw Massacre story where you see five kids in a van driving, having, having a road trip, having a good time, and they, they come to the wrong place and, and bad stuff happens. Uh, there's maybe some of those elements to a certain extent in our film, but it's, uh, uh, I really want to get away from that particular uh, story that we've seen so many times and really focus on, on uh, characters that have an arc and uh, see how they can uh, see how they can deal with uh, meeting Leatherface in person. (laughs) (laughs) How can they overcome their obstacles with with Leatherface? You know, so I, yeah, if if that makes any sense. (laughs) No, absolutely. I think, I think that's great. You know, there, there are so many things to love about the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I do really like that we aren't given much in the way of character development, apart from like maybe Franklin. I think he's like the one character that we really get like a solid idea of who he is. But I also like the idea of not just getting to see the Sawyers from a different angle, but also getting a little bit more of an arc with the protagonist. Well, that's great. I'm glad you think so. I do. I agree with you about, uh, about Franklin. Like I, when you first watch the movie, you think this is Franklin's movie. It's a, that he's the protagonist. He really does come across as the protagonist in that film. If I have any more fun today, I don't think I'm going to be able to take it. And then, well, okay, this is <laughs> Sally's story now. <laughs> right, right. So I, I think it's kind of neat the way that movie does that. Um, because Sally's kind of a bit of, eh, I don't I don't want to say Sally's a, uh, a, uh, a mean, mean uh, older sister or anything like that, but she's, she's, you know, you can kind of get that sense from her during during the uh, during the movie, and uh, uh, I think uh, the experience of seeing her brother killed in front of her probably changed that quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so no, you know, sure. there's definitely an arc there in a in a sense, you know, but it's okay. uh, you know the the amount of trauma that she went through is just you know it's it's going to change anybody for life no matter what and i think that they they got that across so well oh i i couldn't agree more sally is to me one of the most memorable final girls everything she goes through in the third act of the movie is just seared into it's, my brain yeah, it's it's so intense and her her performance was so good uh yeah. maybe one of the most underrated performances in horror history cuz you really oh, feel you feel like this it's really happening. Uh, I think when she's in, actually in, when she's in the barbecue shack, when, she, you know, I think that scene really first kind of 
you, I felt her there because she's just in such shock and her adrenaline is so high and you see the expression on her face. And when she looks up at that barbecue that's cooking, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I didn't get, uh, that's one of those scenes. I didn't get it at first. I'm like, why is she looking at this, 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 this barbecue cooking? I didn't really get, make that connection when I was young, but when you're older, it's like, Ooh, that's really creepy now. Well, that reminds me of another question that I wanted to ask. Uh, The narrator for the trailer. um, Oh yes. Because I think in addition to Leatherface, uh, the second biggest shoes to fill, and with all due respect to Marilyn Burns, I think the second biggest shoes to fill would be John Larroquette's. In terms of if you're going to narrate a TCM film, even the trailer, that's that's a pretty big deal. And I really enjoyed the narration in your trailer, and I was wondering, um, who is that guy? Oh, the narr- in, from our first uh, trailer, you mean? Yeah, yeah, the, the first one that I saw. I'm sorry. Uh, that was actually a, a Texas actor, a voice actor named Albie Robles. I think I'm uh, pronouncing his name right. It could be Robles. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, yeah, he's a very nice guy. He just, uh, he was... He was really keen on uh, what we're doing, and uh, I asked him if if he would want to do a voiceover narration for our our trailer, and he said yes, surprisingly. And you know, again, just a nice guy. Didn't charge me anything. He has his own podcast as well. It's called the uh, Scare Me Podcast. Oh, nice. I mean, if I could get John Larroquette, I sure would, but I have (laughs) no idea how to get John Larroquette. I'm guessing he would ask for more than a joint this time. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I heard he got two joints, actually. <laughs> two whole joints. <laughs> God, it's so funny to think that that's all it took to get one of the most iconic opening narrations of a film like, ever. And who would, have know, who would have thought that John Larroquette would have gone on to such a big career? Yeah. You know, uh, when he did, like he said, when he did the, the narration for the remake... He was able to buy a, a new Ferrari or something with the money he made from doing it then, you know. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a pretty big change. <laughs> I have to admit, when I watch the, uh, when I watch the remake and I hear the narration, uh, hear him do the narration in that one, I do have to admit I love his voice more in the remake than I, than I would say I d- even do in the original because he's got such a seasoned voice. The depth yeah. to his voice is so good. It's probably one of the reasons why ultimately I was disappointed by the remake is because he he set it up to be such a gruesome, disturbing film. And ultimately, I didn't feel like I got that gruesome, disturbing film from the remake. But, you know. Yeah, that's that's one area where I I mean, I really enjoyed the remake. <laughs> a lot of people do. I was, I was 23 when I saw it. I was so I was I had my 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 expectations were too high, I think. Oh, see, I had the opposite. My expectations were non-existent. Really? <laughs> I'm just so not a fan of most remakes and reboots that I I just kind of go into all of them expecting them to be <laughs> utterly awful. So, on the rare occasion that they aren't i'm usually pretty happy and i was mostly just thrilled to see them cast arlie ermy yeah he was actually really he was probably one of my favorite uh but here's the problem with me with arlie ermy it was to me he was scarier than leatherface yeah he was <laughs> to me that's a problem when leatherface isn't the scariest person in the film well 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 looky here oh my god morgan we got ourselves a killer 
Well, man, thanks so much for hanging out with me and talking with me about the Sawyer Massacre and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm, I'm so excited for your film, and I really hope that the Indiegogo campaign is successful and you're able to take it down to Texas. Really appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we have the support that we have, and a lot of people are behind this film. And, and yeah, I do hope that we get it to Texas, but, you know, I will shoot it no matter what. And uh, I hope that we can make a great film for all the fans out there that have been wanting a, a good Texas Chainsaw Massacre film for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, it has. It has been a while. <laughs> I just want to thank Steve one more time for taking time out of his day to sit and talk with me about his project and also the TCM series. I'm so sorry I had to cut so much out. We had a great time talking for like an hour and a half. So if you're interested, be on the lookout for that transcript. I should have it posted by the end of the weekend. Now, while most of you listening are probably intimately familiar with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I know there are a couple of you who are less so. And above all else, we strive to educate first and entertain second here. Although I still struggle to understand why anyone would find me entertaining. I thought I could just do like a brief history of the film with some fun facts, share a couple of my quick thoughts in case you are someone who has yet to see it. I just can't take no pleasure in killing. There's just some things you gotta do. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre was written by Toby Hooper and Kim Henkel, directed by Hooper and released in October of 1974. It follows Sally Hardesty and her brother Franklin, who, along with a few of their friends, travel to a remote part of Texas to investigate rumors that their grandfather's grave has been vandalized. Once there, they find themselves at the mercy of a family of brutal cannibal killers, the Sawyers, the most notable of which is Leatherface, who sports masks of his victims and really knows his way around a chainsaw. To date, there are eight films in the TCM franchise, and affection for the sequels varies greatly from fan to fan. Personally, there are really only three Texas Chainsaw films I genuinely enjoy from start to finish. There's the original, of course, the remake from 2003, surprisingly, and yes, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. <laughs> I've got a mind. Just lit your oh! goddamn throat. In my defense, I was only 13 when I saw it. It was the first Texas Chainsaw film I ever watched. I know how bad it is, and I am wholly aware that it is perhaps the worst sequel in the series. I can't even think of it as a TCM sequel when I'm watching it or the whole thing breaks down. I have to think of it as its own film, as it features the single worst incarnation of Leatherface in the franchise's history. This is all also not to say that I don't enjoy certain elements from the other TCM films. Like Steve, I'm not crazy about chocolate top from TCM2, but I adore Bill Mosley, and I can't deny he played that character very well. And ultimately, at the end of the day, nothing compares to the original. As I alluded to earlier, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is widely regarded as one of the most frightening movies ever made, which may surprise people when they discover how mild it is compared to so many others in terms of gore. Not violence, but gore. Make no mistake, this is a very violent movie. This is one instance where ratings issues actually kind of paid off, as Toby Hooper intentionally toned the blood and gore down repeatedly with the hope of securing a PG rating of all things, which of course did 
didn't happen no matter what he did. And it turned out to work heavily in the film's favor, as that lack of graphic violence, coupled with beautifully artful cinematography from Daniel Pearl, actually makes the film so much more horrifying, not to mention timeless. It's for this reason that I often cite TCM as an excellent example of why I feel it's important to exercise restraint in making horror if the goal is actually to create lasting terror for your audience. Granted, I'm not a filmmaker and horror, like everything else, is subjective. I just personally prefer horror films that leave something to my imagination. And Texas Chainsaw doesn't just accomplish this with simple yet cold-blooded violence. It does so through suggestive set design and most especially the character of Leatherface, who is undoubtedly one of the single most famous modern monsters of the genre, about whom we learn very little in his debut film. Gunnar Hansen's intentionally clumsy, conflicted, and all-too-human portrayal of the villain is where most of his personality comes from, and it creates a wealth of theories in the mind about who and why he is. In addition to Leatherface, the Sawyer family of the original consists of the hitchhiker, the cook, and grandpa, all of whom are played wonderfully by their respective actors, Edwin Neal, Jim Sedow, and John Dugan. These are all memorable characters who represent well the multiple generations of depravity present in their family. And caught in the middle of their madness, you have final girl Sally, played by Marilyn Burns, whose performance as things escalate is an inspiration to those of us for whom final girls are the ultimate heroes. All in all, horror fans can thank the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for a staggering list of the things we've come to expect and love from our slasher movies, and there are a few films that have scared me more than this did when I first saw it. I'm not sure why I haven't talked about it much here over the years. I guess I just figure so many people out there have already said so much more about it with greater art than I ever could. Texas Chainsaw is a must-watch not just for genre fans, but for anyone with an interest in or appreciation for film. And if you don't believe me, or Steve Merlo, maybe you'll believe these people. And now we come to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a true horror movie in terms of the word horror. In my eyes, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre really is the perfect horror film. This film is a masterpiece in filmmaking. I'm almost ashamed that I didn't like it the first time I saw it. I think maybe part of it was because I started watching the movie while eating a sandwich. Honestly, the cinematography and just the tone of everything is, is on point. A big, big massive respect for the people who did the set design. Texas Chainsaw is my favorite horror movie. I, I adore it. I think it's perfect. Dude, that scared the living shit out of me. I can't remember the last time I like jumped and felt like I was going to like... Like, I couldn't breathe almost like I was having an asthma <laughs> A couple of quick fun facts to play us out. Calling back to last week's episode, the location sound recording for this film was done by none other than Ted Nicolau, director of Bad Channels and Terrorvision. It's also Ted's van that the kids are driving. One of the working titles for this film was Head Cheese, and despite the legendary title they eventually chose, only one person is actually killed by a chainsaw in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, to wrap up tonight, I'm thrilled to present a special edition of Everybody's, and by everybody's, I mean, you know, mine and my mom's favorite hypothetical horror game, Worst Case Scenario Mad Libs. Why, yes, I am a dork, but you're all complicit. I asked you guys to come up with a title for a Texas Chainsaw sequel for which the producers want to shake things up, and these were some of your responses. <laughs> For some, this peaceful diner will become a nightmare. 
Blood Milk and Sky presents the North Dakota Immersion Blender Massacre. Rated X. Anything is a weapon. If you're brave enough, Go Go Head 365 presents the DC Hobo Feces Massacre. Rated PG-13. From feudal Japan to the Tar Heel State, whatever that means, Maleb presents the North Carolina Naginata Massacre. Rated PG. You might think he'd be into baseball, but you would be wrong. The Bone Breaker presents the Tennessee Cricket Bat Massacre. Rated R. All they wanted was to retire in peace. Jason presents the Florida Riding Lawnmower Massacre. Rated NC 17. Bringing new meaning to the phrase Kink Shame Atomic Hammer presents The West Virginia Butt Plug Massacre Rated G Thanks, guys, for your submissions. They were all fantastic. As ever, you are all depraved and hilarious, and I love you. Other responses included Grim Trucker's Oklahoma Bigfoot Massacre, which actually sounds like a legit film. And as I've recently found myself interested in Bigfoot for, like, the first time in my life, I would watch that. I, I would watch that a lot. We also have Tina's Iowa Ice Cream Scoop Massacre. And I would argue that that isn't so much a movie but a detailed description of my life from 2015 to 2017. And Gory Rory's Washington College Thesis Massacre. Who will graduate and what will be left of them? <laughs> God, yeah. It's terrifying. For those of you who are new here, Gory Rory created the intro, outro, and segue music for this podcast, as well as a handful of others, and is an incredibly talented composer. If you want to make your ears happy, check out his channel on YouTube. He also arranged those trailers. So huge thanks to you, sir, and to Necro G for lending us his epic movie trailer voice. If your submission wasn't chosen, never fear, worst case scenario Mad Libs will return. However, next week, I will be joined by another special guest, and we're going back to basics. So next week's scenario is you've fallen asleep to discover that you are a dream warrior. What are your dream skills? Bonus question, how would Freddy Krueger turn them against you? Thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will see you next week for something a little bit dreamier. Have you picked up on it yet? What next week's episode is about? If you have any thoughts that you would like to share regarding the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or any of its sequels or the Sawyer Massacre, please feel free to contact me. You can look me up on the Slasher app. My username is Final Girl Friday, Instagram at Molly Oblivion, or you can email me at finalgirlconfessions at gmail.com. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute financially to its growth, you can head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Final Girl Friday and buy me a movie. But no pressure. <laughs> really glad that you're here and listening. Stay safe, stay sane, always buy your chainsaws at S-Mart. Wait, 
Nope, that's the wrong franchise. And as usual, creep it real. <laughs> <laughs>